Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. What's up, you mutts? It's another episode of The Kevin Clancy Show, and I can't stop getting bullied by homeless people. I don't know what's happened. I've been in New York City my whole fucking life. Professionally speaking, in and out of Manhattan now for, you know, more than 50% of my life now. I, I am a seasoned vet when it comes to this shit. Been around the homeless my entire life. And certainly in the last five, six years in the area, we've been here in Barstool HQ. We're over here in the Madison Square Garden area. And in general, but certainly post-COVID, they have just flocked to this part of town. And I think because they have strength in numbers now, they're getting cocky. And they're, getting, they're, they're starting to feel themselves a little bit. The homeless people are, are, uh, are, are not, they never were timid, for sure not, but now they're just rolling up on me, and I just keep getting pushed around the ring like a fucking clown. If you don't live in New York City, or you don't live in, a, in a, like a major city where there's homeless people, you probably don't, it probably doesn't even like cross your mind, but for me, like, I always had a system. I always had, like, you know, my headphones in, head straight, like, eyes straight forward, Never make any eye contact, never slow down, never never ask them, what'd you say, huh, what? No, nothing. You don't pay any attention to them. And it sounds cruel and it sounds harsh, and yes, I wish we could fucking snap our fingers and get that son of a bitch Bill Gates to just give everybody money and get them off the streets, but this is the way it is. It's a harsh reality of the world. There's homeless people here, and if you're a sucker in this town uh, and you give them money, you're going to go broke because you see them every fucking five steps. And so you got to just be a little bit cruel about it. Uh... You always look at the shoes, by the way. That's the, that's the key. Because some of these people out here are, are hustling. Uh, there's been New York Post reports over the years of, of people who panhandle and make like 100K a year. If you find the right spot of town and you got yourself a good hustle, a good backstory, you got some game, some good one-liners. Jackie's been getting hit on by homeless people left and right. <laughs> Two separate homeless guys have gone up to Jackie and said, you know what the best part about going home with a homeless guy is? You can drop us off wherever when we're done. Hitting on him. Homeless people straight up approaching Jackie, a normal homeful person, being like, yeah, maybe there's a chance I can hook up with her. Do you know how brazen you've got to be? I don't know what that says about you, Jackie. <laughs> I'm like, That's a, you phrase it like that, I'm, I'm offended. 50%, 50% the homeless are feeling themselves. 50% they're, they're looking at Jackie like, eh, I got a shot. That's not the best feeling, Jackie. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, continue. <laughs> so they whirl up and they're, I mean, if, if homeless people are spitting, spitting game, you know that they're feeling themselves. And so last week, I told, I told the story in KFC Radio, a lot of you already, already might have heard it, but a couple weeks ago now, I got bullied into buying a homeless man a pineapple soda. So as the story went, I was outside this deli, and it's not really a deli, it's more like a corner store bodega. And so this dude was just chilling, just sitting on the concrete right outside. And I was on the phone, and I was texting, so I didn't want to do all that in the deli. So before I went in, I, st- I stood on the corner basically with him, finishing up what I was doing on the phone. So usually, like I said, I have like the rule of no eye contact, just keep it moving. You pass each other, that's it, and they're gone. But because I was just kind of lingering around, and I technically was loitering where he lives. And so we like made some eye contact, and he like you know obviously got the courage, and he said, can you get me a soda? And I was like... Fucking fine, I'll get you a soda. And then I am like, I'm trying to accommodate. I'm like, what? What do you want? And he asks for a pineapple soda. 
So I'm like, now I got to go and find a fucking pineapple soda, to which a lot of people have explained to me, Jaritos and Fanta and all these other brands make plenty of pineapple sodas. I myself had never fucking heard of it. So I'm like looking for it. I find the pineapple soda. And because I'm the most awkward man in the world, when I hand him the soda, I said, thank you. I gave the homeless man his pineapple soda and I thanked him for that interaction because I am the king of awkward. It's 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 kind of crazy to think that like I do this for a living. I talk and I and I converse and I socially observe and I speak. Uh, I do basically a lot of public speaking. Maybe it's not traditionally like on a stage in front of people, but a little bit of that. But, you know, I'm speaking publicly one way or another for a living. And yet and still, I will be awkward and say things like thank you to the homeless man or have a good flight to the stewardess or to the, to the ticket lady or, you know, enjoy the movie. Yeah, thanks you too to the ticket person. These things that, you, you know, the average person does all the time. You'd think I would be better at than the average guy. No, I'm not. I'm just forever awkward as well. And so um, I go back to that same deli today, and I got bullied again. This time, he sandbagged me, though. Different guy. But this guy, this was straight-up sabotage. He Trojan horsed me because it was inside the deli. What's up with these? What's, what kind of deli is just letting the homeless people roll in? You know, usually you, you got to get me on the street. That's that's fair game. Otherwise, you know, uh, it's like I'm 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 getting bamboozled. I'm getting hoodwinked. I'm thinking you're already in the deli. You might be a normal person. So I'm sitting there ordering myself a sandwich: chicken cutlet with melted monster cheese and mayo. It's a great sandwich. You should try it sometime. My brother's uh, high school girlfriend used to order it, and I gave it a whirl. Never looked back. Never looked back. Melted monster cheese and mayo. Don't even get fancy with the with the lettuce and tomato, especially the shredded lettuce at this place. Shredded lettuce can kick rocks. Shredded lettuce is the type of shit that a homeless person turns down. Give me some nice green leafy lettuce on my sandwich. I don't like the shredded. Although Subway has shredded, but it's not bad. It's almost like you need a certain consistency to it. If you, sh- if you shred too much, then it just becomes a mess. It feels like you have like, coleslaw on your, on your sandwich. So I order my sandwich, and I'm waiting. And this dude kind of sidles up along me. Like He really gets pretty close. And he's very soft-spoken, and he's like, excuse me. And again, I have a rule when I'm on the street. My head's on a swivel. I'm observing everything. I know homeless guy approaching, uh, you know, on my uh, on my eight o'clock. You know, I, I, boom, boom, keep it moving. Look this way. Oh, one's coming that way. Heisman, move over here. When I'm in the deli, I'm not expecting it. So I turn around, and I make eye contact. And he says, "Hey man, can I just have one dollar?" And he's like a younger dude, had a flannel on, had a hat on, backpack. I should have looked at the shoes. Because the shoes is the key. If you've ever if you've ever been hustled before, you you learn to look at the shoes. So like when I was younger, and I'm new to the city, and I'm the first like first time I'm working in Manhattan, you see a lot of these people, and they have you know their sob story about their babies or their dogs or they're a veteran, and and you feel bad in the beginning when you're young and you're idealistic and you have a heart and you have a you know uh, uh, you think you can fix the world. And, uh, you know, you give those people money. And I remember my dad telling me the same thing happened to him. And he would then go to work. And, like, the doormen of that building were like, did I just see you give money to Ricky? And he was like, yeah, like, well, like tough story. And he's like, that guy's been working this corner for two decades. You totally got played. Look at his shoes next time. 
And lo and behold, you take a look at these people, they might put on their raggedy sweatshirt with holes in it, and they might mess their hair up, and they might, you know, drag around a, a cart of cans or whatever. You look at their shoes, and they got on a nice pair of, like, black leather kicks, and you know that they're not the real deal homeless. The shoes never lie with the homeless. Because apparently, if you're going to go hustle and you want to be fake homeless, apparently people will never stoop low enough to just have, like, their feet exposed or wear holes with shoes in them. Shoes don't lie, so always look at them. And don't ever get played. Another classic hustle is when they, uh, they try to play you, like, like, so this one guy one time, he ran up on me, and he bumps into me and dropped his eyeglasses and was like, look, you just broke my eyeglasses. And I've seen them do it before. They do it with, like, a bottle of liquor or they have, like, a plate of food. They in- intentionally bump into you. They drop it. It smashes on the, on the ground, and then they kind of intimidate you, and they're like, yo, you got to buy me a bottle of liquor. You just broke my shit. And, you know, me and my friends being, like, you know, when we're younger, like, these little, like, suburban white boys all scrawny and shit, and we don't want any smoke. We're like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll just buy you, like, another bottle of liquor. Leave me alone. This one guy did it to me with his fucking eyeglasses. And I, and I, and I fell for it, though, because I was like, oh, my God. Like, in the moment, I didn't think to myself, how did you break your eyeglasses by bumping into me? What are the chances that happens? But, you know, he obviously had a, an already broken pair of, of spectacles, and he shows them to me, and he's like, dude, I can't see now. What am I going to do? So I'm like the fucking loser that I am. I helped him pay for his fucking eyeglasses. Totally got played. Um, so, you know, usually you're, you're looking for those kind of things or you're on guard, but not when you're just standing in a deli and a dude just asks you. So he goes, do you have a dollar? Which is great. I love to be able to be like, no, I don't have a dollar. What is it, 1997? You want me to give you a Sacagawea coin? You want a couple John F. Kennedy half dollars? No, I don't have a dollar. Who has cash anymore? But I made the fatal error of saying, rather than just saying no, I said, no, I don't have cash. Because I kind of wanted to stick it to him, like, like I just said, who the fuck has cash? So I said, no, I don't have any cash. And he goes, oh, okay, man, cool. And he turns. And I'm thinking, like, poof. Like, avoided that one. Thank God. I can't believe I almost got suckered by another guy. But then I see that he didn't fully turn. And he's coming back around to me. And he's like, well, then, can you just get me some food? And now I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. We went from a dollar to me buying you food? Because there ain't nothing here on the menu that's going to be a fucking dollar. And I said to him, buy you food? And he goes, yeah, just get me a bagel with cream cheese. Which is right in that sweet spot. If he had said to me, can you get me chicken cutlet with melted mustard cheese and, and mayonnaise? I would have said, no, dude, I'm not buying you a fucking 850 hero, okay? But he said a bagel with cream cheese, which is like practically free. And I don't know what it is. If he just because he trapped me in the deli or if I'm just getting soft, whatever it was, I fucking got the guy and everything bagel with cream cheese. I can't, I, I can't be soft like that, man. I gotta toughen up. I gotta be stronger here. Is there something about me? Is there something about the way I'm carrying myself these days? Just a big bullseye on my back that I'm, you know, the guy who can get pushed around the ring by the homeless? The less fortunate are out here dunking on me. Probably going to their meetings in the bottom of Penn Station being like, hey, have you guys seen that, that one minute man guy? He's an easy mark. Christ, I'm going to have to, you know what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to toughen up. 
I'm gonna have to leave a next homeless person asks me for some money. I'm gonna slap him in the face. Hey, go tell your friends. There's no money here. You're not getting a dollar. You're not getting a pineapple soda. You're not getting a fucking bagel with cream cheese from this here guy. You understand? On to the next chump. Got to establish dominance. Like when you go to prison, you take down the biggest, baddest motherfucker. I'm going to go find the most homeless of the homeless. I'm going to fucking body that guy. Ask, Go ask Feidelberg. He's a sucker. I know it's not the way that I'm dressing. Because I'm rocking bare bottom all day, every day, in every which way. I got my bare bottom t-shirts on. I got my bare bottom long sleeve tees on. I got my bare bottom joggers. I got the denim knit top. I am head to toe seven days a week bare bottom. I mean, this shit is fresh. It's comfortable like I've never seen before. I mean, I design my own clothes. I sell my own shit here at Barstool. And I am always in the pursuit of finding the most comfortable gear possible. And I have not yet found a way... To make anything as comfortable as bare bottom. I tell my team, like, this is, I want the most comfortable clothes, period. And every time I get something from bare bottom, I'm like, this is, this is more comfortable than my shit. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, in, I'm trying to keep up with bare bottom. That's how, that's how good their shit is. Uh, and it's all, uh, like, solid, nice, bright, vibrant colors. Looks great for the summer. Feels comfortable. Matches any, anything you're rocking. It's all uh, kind of low-key. Perfect for a guy like my age, you know? You don't want to be... To me, like, I don't want to rock, like, you know, my, my collared shirt, my button-up, my polos, and look like a dad tucked in to my khaki shorts going to, like, the country club. Ugh, I want to kill myself. No, thank you. Uh, the bare-bottom clothing is just, like, a fresh, timeless, classic look. Give me, like, a nice, bright blue tee. Wear it with my jeans. Match it up to whatever I'm rocking. Nice pair of white kicks. And I look fly. I look good. I look just together classy clean not the type of type of guy would beg for a fucking dollar on the street okay uh right now you can get free shipping on your order of uh comfortable threads from bare bottom when you go to barebottomclothing.com and use the code clancy b-e-a-r like the animal bottomclothing.com head over there you can get two pairs of their stretch shorts uh, plus one of their moisture-wicking tees for under 100 bucks. So two pairs of shorts and a tee. You're good to go for the summertime over at barebottomclothing.com. Use code CLANCY to get your free shipping. Like I said, it's a good look for when, you know, you're my age. 30, I'm 36 now, uh, which is officially, you know, like you're in that mid-30s range. I think once I hit 37, I'll be late 30s. Ugh. And uh, part of what I've always done here is kind of, I mean, if you've been following me from day one on the blog into the podcasting and now on Instagram with One Minute Man, I mean, you're basically watching me like if, like grow up. When it's all said and done, people are going to watch have watched my almost my entire life. You know, you missed my childhood, but all of my uh, late you know childhood, like college years, post college years, into my adulthood, into me getting old and eventually fucking croaking, you are going to have watched. It's like some almost some Truman Show type shit. Where you watch me, you know, uh, grow, evolve, devolve, ups, downs, lefts, rights. And so part of it when I used to blog when I was young and partying and going out, I used to, you know, chronicle uh, my time at the Jersey Shore or the Hamptons or, you know, when I was taking helicopter rides out to Montauk and having fun. And these big party weekends, the 4th of July's and the Labor Days and Memorial Day weekend specifically, was always uh, great blog material Great moments were had, memories were made, uh, and now that I, you know, once you get older and the hangover set in, and you start having kids and 
hang, uh, you know, wives and now ex-wives and uh, responsibilities and shit to do. Uh, you know, those weekends, they're nice because you have a day off. But other than that, uh, they ain't what they used to be. And I realized I find, but I, I realized everything's kind of cyclical and comes around in different ways this Memorial Day. It was the first time uh, that it all made sense to me. Here's the progression of Memorial Day weekends when you don't have nice weather. Because this weekend it rained like a motherfucker. It was, the whole thing was washed out. And uh, nobody could do, you know, you have your big plans to go down to the Jersey Shore, hit up Parker House, go to DJ's Happy Hour. Or you're going out to Sloppy Tuna in Montauk or you're hitting up Nantucket or the Cape or wherever you go. Uh, and then it rains and, you know, you don't have, you're not on the beach and you're not out at like, you know, happy hours on uh, outdoors. And when I was young, that used to be like devastating. I always made the best of it. We always like, you know, play drinking games inside and. And, you know, you uh, enjoy the thunderstorms at the beach. But that first weekend when it's supposed to be like, summer's here, let's go, kick things off the right way, let's get drunk, let's get sunburned, let's catch an STD, spend all of our money, we kick things off, we got 15, 14, 13 weekends more of this in a row, let's go. Uh, but the rain hits and you're just like, well, that's all washed out. And you're fucking so upset. You're so angry that your rain ruined your Memorial Day weekend. That's when you're young and you're fun and you're in your 20s. And you have no responsibilities. And all you wanted to do was just be, you know, a mangled degenerate for the next 72 hours. Then you hit, like, your late 20s. No, then you hit your 30s. And you start to get the hangovers. You, uh, you might be married. You might have kids. And that, the idea of like a 72-hour binge through Memorial Day Monday, it just doesn't have the same allure that it once does. You're not doing it anymore. It's something you've done, you know, maybe 15 years in a row now. It's, uh, you're going to the same bar as you've always gone to, drinking the same drinks with the same people in the same scenery. And while that, some of that shit is timeless and always fun, you're not nearly as gassed up about it. And so you don't want to necessarily do these things or you don't have, you know, especially when it comes to these summertime things where it's like you used to have 12 friends on speed dial that you could call and say, you want to get a house together? And they're like, boom, I'm in. No questions asked. We're doing it for a, a week. We're doing it for a month. We're doing it for the whole summer. How much and where? Tell me. Let's go. Get 12 guys. Split it all up. We're living in a house for the summer. Then, you know, this guy gets married. I get married. You get married. We pay, We peel off. Uh, this guy can't do it, this guy moved, this guy's got a job overseas, whatever it may be, this guy died, who knows? And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you don't have the same gang to get your share house. And so you're not even doing these summer things to begin with, so now you love the rain. Now the rain is the best, because nobody is going out anymore. You don't have to feel guilty. There's no FOMO, there's no fear of missing out on anything because nothing's happening because it's raining. And you don't have to feel like, oh, man, you know, I, I don't really want to go out anymore. But shit, I'm only like 33. I, I should still I'm not old, old. I should still be doing these things, but I don't really want to. So when it's sunny and beautiful out and everyone's still partying and you see the younger kids raging and everybody's good looking and sexy and having fun. And you're like, fuck, maybe I should have gone or maybe I maybe I shouldn't let the hangovers or the wife or the husband or the kids stop me. But then the rain comes in and you're like, ah. Nobody's doing anything, so you love the rain. There is, it's guilt-free couch session for the, f the duration of the weekend. You're binging shows, you're catching up on movies, you're just stuffing your face, 
sitting there under the gloomy, dark thunderstorm clouds. It's amazing. And then something happens that I have not, I had not yet experienced until this year. Uh, once you have kids and the, the, the Memorial Day weekend thunderstorms hit, now you fucking hate them again. Because now you ain't got shit to do with your kids. When, I, when they're little toddlers, it doesn't really matter. A couple years in a row, I don't think we had bad weather. This is the first time that my kids are, what, five and three, almost four now. I got to keep them entertained for the whole fucking weekend now. But I can't go to the beach. I can't go to the pool. I can't even go in the backyard and hang out. So now I'm like, fuck this rain. You guys are ruining my goddamn weekend because I got these monsters crawling up my fucking, you know, tearing my house apart. Acting like I'm, you know, the, the fucking bozo, the clown who's supposed to entertain them. I'm like, where the fuck is the goddamn sun? Who saw that coming? So they're really on that, that, that little sliver there. So it kind of goes, you hate the bad weather. You love the bad weather. You hate the bad weather because you got your kids. Then it probably comes back around to like my kids are gone. But shit, it's been a, you know, a rough 10 years. Or my kids are preoccupied with, you know, their own friends or a different family or whatever. Uh, and you're like, I just want to chill on the couch and be you know, left alone. So it's probably just, life is probably just an endless cycle of hate it, love it, hate it, love it, hate it, love it, depending on where you stand and, and what you're capable of and what you're allowed to do. But it's uh, the Memorial Day weather is, is something that I've learned can be very fickle, can change uh, year to year, circumstance to circumstance. And this, this time around, holy shit, did goddamn Memorial Day fucking stink. Uh, I used to do the Jersey Shore. When you're in New York, you either kind of do Long Island for the Hamptons or you go down to uh, the Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore is a, is a place that's very, um, very, people don't know, people don't know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to the Jersey Shore because they've seen the show. And they think that it's all guidos and it's all trash and garbage and the armpit of America. And the people who do go to the Jersey Shore know that there's certainly that area, no doubt. But if you go to certain towns in New Jersey, it's beautiful. The cleanest, nicest beaches. The water's clean. There's wonderful restaurants. There's, it's like a nice family area. Mm. Not a lot of BYOB restaurants. You just bring your own bottle. They put them on ice for you. You sit out in, like, you know, in the sunset, and it's amazing. And nobody knows that or cares to know it or keeps talking about shit about Jersey, and it's like, go ahead, fine. Talk all the shit you want about the Jersey Shore. More for us. Like, less people, less attention, more for the people who know the real deal. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible, man. It's all fucking Pauly D's and situations and snookies. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, nobody gets, nobody takes the time to understand that some of these towns uh, are, are amazing, especially, and you can do it all. You can do it with your family. You can do it when you're young. Uh, I want to party. I used to go uh, out in, in Seagirt. We'd go to the Parker House. If you live in the Park, Parker House area, you know the deal. Parker House was at one time my favorite bar ever my top bars off the top of my head in the summertime would be parker house in the winter you go to the pickle barrel uh the boardy barn uh, in the hamptons the old drift in west hampton uh and then i'll throw you know for new york city i'll throw rathbones i think that would be five right there that's my top five bars of all time off the top of my head parker house has since gotten so crowded 
This Memorial Day weekend, in the rain, motherfuckers were standing outside wearing ponchos for two and a half hours to get into the Parker house. The line went out the house, around the corner, down the block, to the beach, along the boardwalk. Fucking insanity. Now, Captain Khan's that idiot. He blames me. He says that Parker House was always kind of, like I said at the Jersey Shore, more of a quiet, like, hidden gem. It was always certainly a a very popular bar. But uh, I came along and started to blog about it and talk about it. A bunch of my friends who went to school at Loyola coined the term God's Basement. The downstairs portion of Barker House had a had a uh, uh, cover band, and it was in the, this like little tiny low basement. But it was like when you went down there, it was like magic. It was like a religious experience. So they called it God's Basement. So I started to blog about it and call it that, and it really caught caught on. And uh, they they embraced the name, and everyone started talking about it. Next thing you know, a lot of people are going, and I think that it just happened to coincide with like word of mouth in the area gotten more and more popular and i don't know i don't know what the answer is all i know is i don't think that because i was writing some blogs that this place is now overrun but i do like the fact that people are willing to give me credit and act like i still got it like that you think that i got the influence to be able to like shut down a bar that it gets so popular so crowded i will gladly take that you know Tell all the other bars and restaurants and clients out there, that's the kind of shit that I'll do. I'll move the needle for you. I'll get your bar so fucking crowded, people people want to disavow this place. Have motherfuckers hanging from the rafters, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I was trying to think of what in the world I would ever wait online for for two and a half hours wearing a poncho in the rain, and I cannot give you an answer. Short of, like, someone's going to die. If you don't wait on this line for two and a half hours. And even then, I'd be like, well, who is it? You know? They told me uh, they told me Jackie was at the end of that, that <laughs> line. And if you don't wait it out, like, she's just getting popped. I'd be like, well, you know, I've only known her for a little while. <laughs> Who's going to make all your clips? I don't know. Who made the clips before you? Nick. Yeah, Nick will make my <laughs> clips. Nick, you get up to it? We're hiring an intern, so... Yeah, we got a new intern coming. That's what I would say. I'd be wearing the poncho. They'd be like, you got two and a half more hours to go. I'd be like, we're hiring a new intern. Take her out. I, I mean, I cannot think of something that is within reason that I would wait two and a half hours online for ever again. I was never really that guy. But when you're younger, you know, the, the, the cool place or the girl you like is in there or, or there's limited options or whatever. But now, it's like I was saying with Memorial Day, I'll just go home because I've done it all before. You know, again, within reason. I'm sure there are a million places that I haven't been and some great experiences that I haven't had. But when it comes to, like, partying on a regular, yeah, like, sure, I've never been to fucking Ibiza and shit like that. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of places that are bucket list type of uh, experiences. But for the most part, it's like, have you been to this beach down at this this shore house? Like, uh, yeah, man, like, I, I know. Like, I've done it before. Done it a million times before. So uh, it, none of it is worth, is worth the wait for me. But there are certain people who they can't stop themselves from doing that Jersey Shore life. And it's been going on for a long time now. And when it really started, it wasn't me talking about the Parker House. It dates back to 2003 when a man named Tommy Cheeseballs first came on the scene. MTV did a show called True Life. 
and uh, and I'm hoping that most people listening to this podcast are are my age or relatively my age. I've always kind of had an array of like young people who I feel like I'm. There's been so many people who have said to me, "Man, I listened to your podcast for so long, and I uh, I thought you were kind of exaggerating, or I thought you were joking about." what it's like when you move in with a girl, what it's like when you get a, a cube monkey job, what it's like when this happens and that happens. And then I learned, like, oh, you were, you were telling the fucking truth. And, I, uh, and so I've had the younger crowd, and then I've had the crowd who's my age or older who are like, yeah, brother, keep on preaching the good word. Uh, and so, and now, but when I do, like, One Minute Man and shit like that, I'm, I'm talking to these people who are way younger than me, Instagram-age people who don't know anything about, you know, the the old era of the internet, the internet 1.0 days. So you go back to 2003 with this guy Tommy Cheeseballs on MTV True Life. True Life was an amazing show, like a documentary type show where they would just go find the weirdest of the weirdos and they would follow them around and do like a quick little one episode mini documentary on them. And Tommy Cheeseballs was the original one. He would wear one of those scally caps that Don Corleone had, as he calls it, and he would wear his cutoff sleeveless tees, wear his cologne, and he would fucking do the, they would get in the circle and they would do their dance moves. They'd do this weird fucking thing with their fingers and they'd put the bottle on the fucking floor and they'd do their Guido shit where they're punching and doing like aerobics on the dance floor of Jenkinson's on the Seaside Heights boardwalk. That's the other side of Jersey Shore I was talking about. There's the nice one and then there's the Tommy Cheeseball side of things and they would go out and he did this documentary where they would rage and he would say, and then at the end of the night he said, I want a steak sandwich and some cheese balls. And this fucking weirdo, all he wanted to do was find love at the Jersey Shore, which is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. I mean, that's it's like searching for love at the Jersey Shore. It's the last thing you're ever going to find, you know, it's 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 like, you know, love in the Jersey Shore. It doesn't happen, especially the type of Jersey Shore he was at. And so this guy was this fucking weird Guido Gindaloon who was like running around the clubs of Seaside Heights being like, I'm just looking for my queen. It's, you know, it's like looking for like a black guy at a KKK rally. It doesn't exist, man. It doesn't happen down there. It's like looking for a black guy at one of the rallies that Erin from The Office attends. We'll talk about her in a minute. Uh, Tommy Cheeseballs, though, was this icon, iconic figure from the Internet 1.0 days. Me and, and uh, Portnoy and Big Cat and Clem, we always all blogged about him and used him as jokes and references. And then he came back recently. He disappeared for like 2003. He disappeared for 18 years. We didn't know where he went, probably because he was getting into some bad shit. I got to do a little research on him. Everyone's so happy and pumped that he returned and made a TikTok. I'm like, there's probably a reason why he fell off the face of the earth for 20 years. He's probably like getting out of jail or something. Um, and so... I was so pumped about it, like, oh my god, this fucking legend of the game is back. And I wasn't sure how it was going to play, because like I've been saying on this podcast for a little while now, I don't know what, where, where's the cutoff for jokes and references and whatnot, where it's like, how, uh, how old is too old to be, uh, how old is too old where it's like you got to give in to the fact that yo man not enough people are getting your jokes not enough people get the reference nobody cares about this person or topic anymore because for the longest time we've been young and cool and cutting edge and i've always known what like i've had my finger on the pulse of everything but once you know tiktok takes over and 
new rap comes in, new slang comes in, all of a sudden you find yourself looking pretty fucking old. I mean, I had a meltdown a few weeks ago talking about the Mike Tyson reference, the fade into Bolivia. Mike Tyson's, you know, one of the most famous sports quotes of all time, fade into Bolivian, and people think that I'm just saying it wrong. There's enough people out there who have never heard that quote. So there's probably enough people out there who have never heard of fucking Tommy Cheeseballs. So I did a One Minute Man video on him, and we were all pumped and excited that he was back, and something special happened where... It, it the, the video did great. I think it's got like 2 million views and people were talking about it and there were people who were like, I know Tommy and I love it that he's back. And then I expected a lot of people to be like, who the fuck is this guy? We don't care. But there was a ton of people who watched the video who were like, I, I, I don't know who he is, but this dude looks fucking electric. And it gave me hope for like all of mankind that certain things from the internet 1.0 days certain jokes references people experiences stories that they're not going to just be like lost forever which i i started to have like an attack of conscience or like an attack i had like this this paranoid fear that like we almost got to make sure that certain things get passed down or like we make sure the next generation knows make like use this line make this joke talk about tommy cheese balls like the the, the, we need to keep these things alive, these traditions and, and like these little cultural impact things from the internet. That's like, it can't just be lost forever. And Tommy Cheeseballs is still going strong. That's, that brought a fucking tear to my eye. The fact that Tommy Cheeseballs 20 years later can still captivate a crowd. That's, that's how you know that A, he is fucking a ridiculous human. And B, there's, there's hope for like, you know, as much as, we hate the TikTokers and we hate the, the, the Zoom generation, the Zoomers. They, they got some hope yet. There, there's still some hope that they, uh, they can recognize a good thing when they see it, when they see Tommy Cheeseballs. Uh, yet at the same time, I do got a rant about one of them. I, 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 I've been interacting a little bit with the Cameo crowd. And I've got a new... I got a new top tier level of person that I fucking hate. And it's brought to you by Magic Spoon Cereal, something that I don't hate, something that I absolutely love. As I get older, as I get fatter, I am the fattest I have ever been. And I actually I actually thought about this growing up. Like a few years ago when I, I've always been out of shape and I've always been skinny fat, but I've always leaned more towards skinny. And now I'm starting to lean more towards fat. And I would look at people that I knew, friends, family, coworkers, whatever, that I'm like, I remember when you were younger, and you looked pretty good. You were like a skinnier person. Now you're just a fat person. And I remember thinking, like, how does that happen? How do you, like, really just let yourself go to the point that it's like, yeah, I used to be in shape and play sports, and I was, like, skinny enough, and now I'm just a fat person. And now, in the past couple of years, I totally fucking get it. Because you just reach a point where you're like, I just do not care enough to work out or heavy diet or whatever. I'm just going to keep eating these sugary-ass cereals, and I'm just going to get fat. And it's a bleak, depressing thought. And that's why Magic Spoon comes along, and they're like, you don't have to change anything. You don't have to eat just salads. You don't have to uh, skip your favorite cereal. You don't have to eat, like, uh, I don't know, egg whites for breakfast. You can still have a fat bowl of cereal, but Magic Spoon is here to make it enjoyable and tasty while still being healthy. I don't know how they do it. It's honestly magic. Uh, It has zero grams of sugar. 
I don't know how you make tasty cereal with zero grams of sugar, but somehow, some way, Magic Spoon has done it. I mean, Magic truly is in the name for a reason. Not only is it only zero grams of sugar, it has 13 grams of protein. How, how are you even getting protein into cereal? I thought that was only going to come in meat and eggs and cheese and shit. No, you got you got some like traditional good tasty cereal that somehow have 13 grams of protein and only four overall net carbs. Four grams of carbs. I, I do not understand it. Uh, only 140 calories per serving, and you get a nice fat bowl of of whatever flavor you want. Yeah, they've got a peanut butter flavor. They got blueberry flavored, cinnamon, cocoa, fruity, blueberry. I mean. Every f- traditional flavor of cereal you've grown up on, uh, Magic Spoon cereal has got a box for you, and it's all healthy. And like, I mean, me, I, I am a cereal freak. The same way that I said that I make my own clothes, and I'm and I want to, I want it to be soft like Bear Bottom. I am a cereal connoisseur. I eat cereal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I eat it for snacks. I eat it for meals. I eat it for everything. Midnight snacks. I'm in the middle of the night. I'm pouring a bowl of cereal, just eating it up. So when I co-sign some cereal, it, it carries some weight. And I full seal of approval on Magic Spoon. If you're looking for a healthier alternative to some of those like uh, high fructose, sugary, synthetic, fake, fattening cereals that we all grew up on, Magic Spoon tastes like those old cereals of, of our childhood. But somehow they do it all in a healthy way. It's magicspoon.com slash Clancy. And you can get a custom bundle of cereal, uh, all different flavors, uh, when you go to magicspoon.com slash Clancy and use the code Clancy. You'll get that bundle and you'll get $5 off your order. It's guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Clancy. Use code Clancy to save $5 off. I've been mixing it up with the cameo crowd. Holy shit, do I have a new person that I fucking hate. The goddamn most. Cameo. Let me just talk about the Cameo world to set the scene here. Cameo, if you're not familiar with it, is a app where uh, celebrities and, and people and entertainers are on this. There's a database of all these people, and a regular person can go access them, pay them a small fee, and you get a customized video from them. A lot of people do happy birthdays and anniversaries and graduations. Sometimes people get funny with it, and they're it's like, uh, you know... Uh, my this roast this guy who lost in our fantasy league make fun of this guy he's getting married it's a bachelor party whatever um it's cool yet at the same time it's also i I feel like i'm completely and utterly debasing myself it's like no dignity i'm just hustling for some extra cash because i've got a fuck ton of bills and i just need some extra money so yes i will stoop as low to sit alone in my apartment and make videos for strangers not like as if I don't fucking sit around making enough videos at work. Sure, let me make other videos for complete fucking strangers. I don't know for a few dollars, but I'm happy to do it. I have some fun with it. I usually take it pretty seriously. Give you know, give, give a good effort, and and some of them are cool and heartfelt. Like I did, you know, so I come across some really like nice families or like some sad stories, and I'm happy to like talk to fans. Father's Day's coming up, so if you want to book me, it's uh, you go to Cameo KFC Barstool is the name, and I'll make like a fucking cameo for you and your dad. But this one guy. And it's been a couple people, but it was specifically this one dude recently. If you fucking complain about a cameo and give it a bad review, like talk shit, I will find you and I will kill you. I will go Liam Neeson taken on that ass. If you talk shit about my cameo and leave a bad review in public, I have a very particular set of skills. And I'm going to come fucking kill you. I will go man on fire, creasy bear on that ass. And I will jam 
an explosive device up your anus and I will blow you up. That's how much I fucking hate this guy. His name was Tom. He sends me, they send me these fucking things. So you, all, all you do is, is have like a little blurb of information. And so I get this, this guy who he, he wants one for like his buddy, right? And I give him, where is, let me see if I can find the, the exact, I think it's gone now. But so this fucking guy, Tom, he, yeah, here it is. Let's see if I can find like his, his little. So he said, can you do a little, a little thank you video for Mike? He got engaged and, uh, we've been on multiple vacations he, we like like we like White Castle. He's a Mets fan and a Yankee fan. Ask him about four locos in the Islanders. That's all I have to go on. I have these little blurbs, and I'm supposed to make these fucking customized videos. So I end up, and I usually try to do some like storytelling. Like I said, I almost give like a little mini podcast because I want people to get their money's worth. So he mentioned White Castle, and I end up giving him this story. I think I went for like a few minutes talking about there was this one time I was at White Castle. <laughs> And these guys threw a fucking full soda at me. I went to the White Castle on Fordham Road. It was right across the street from Fordham University. I went to school. And so inevitably, like almost every night, we would either get drunk pizza or drunk White Castle. This happened to be a White Castle night. So it was like 3 in the morning. And these, these drunk, night, drink, drunk late night food spots are always a mix of Fordham students and locals, which does not really go together very well. And uh, so we were there and... Uh, we start getting bullied around by these locals who are not to be fucked with, man. Like, we were the dumb, drunk white boys, and these were the guys who were going to fucking murder us if we said anything back. So we, they're, like, chirping at us while we order our food. We should have just gone home, but we're so drunk. We want our sack of 10 with some chicken rings. We might have even begun to crave case because we're fucking disgusting. And we go sit down to eat. Eventually, at one point, this dude takes, like, a full-ass, like, medium or large soda, and he just throws it at our table. And thank God it didn't hit us, like, directly, because that would have been absolutely the most emasculating thing in my life. And no matter who they were, I was going to have to get up and try to fight them. Because if someone hits you with a full-ass cup of soda, you have no choice but to throw hands. And he would have probably beat me to death on the spot. But it, like, hit the, the ground and the table, and it kind of splashed. It definitely got on us, and it was still the most embarrassing thing that's happened. And we ended up just, like, getting our shit and scurrying out of there while they like, chased us out. And they would have absolutely beat us to death. So I ended up telling him this, like, quick abbreviated version of that. And I, I give him the thank you and the congratulations and all that. This motherfucker gives it a one-star review and just writes, totally missed. I was like, totally missed? Brother, I gave you a fucking podcast, man. There are companies out here that Magic Spoon's paying thousands of dollars to get in on a fucking little storytelling like that. And I totally missed. And I heard you fucking chuckle back there. I heard you. I'm going to fucking kill you, Jackie. <laughs> One star, totally missed. So I DM and I said, "How did you want it to come out?" Because at first I was gonna be a dick, but I was like, "All right, whatever." Like the, you know, he paid money for this, whatever. And he writes back. He goes, "Oh, I'm Tom and he's Mike. You just switched the names." I said, "That's that's what totally missed is. I just mixed up the names." Of two fucking strangers, by the way, that I'm not supposed to know and don't know, you fucking asshole. So then I wrote back, well, then why didn't you just say that, you fucking... I said, I said, why didn't... Then why didn't you just say that and, and rather than being a fucking dick about it? And, uh, I, yeah, I said, um, well, then just fucking say that instead of leaving a dick review. 
And he wrote, he wrote, all right, geez, I just edited it and gave you a tip. So I bullied him. You know what? So it all comes full circle. I bullied him the same way the homeless have been bullying me. And then I redid his little precious video. And I, I made it totally lame. I took out all the fucking storytelling. I was like, okay, I'm going to get your names right. And you'll get your fucking, your little congratulations. And I'm sitting there. Like, I'm, I'm like being like a tough guy. Be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to redo it. And I'm not going to say this. And I'm not going to say that for your cameo. Thanks, thank you, video. Like, what a fucking loser. What a, what, who am I? Like, I'm trying to be tough about Like, oh, yeah? Well, now you're going to get a second cameo that's not as creative. Oh, yeah, you're a real fucking tough guy, Kevin. I, if you leave a bad review on cameo, unless it's just like blatantly like someone stealing your money, you are human garbage. I fucking hate you. Whether it's me or someone else. You, you are a piece of trash. Just fucking say it, man. I can remake a 30-second video for you, you fucking jerks. That's a new level. I've seen, you know, asshole comments on blogs, asshole tweets, uh, Instagram comments and DMs, like, all sorts of ways you can be an asshole and, and like, you know, get at people. There's little, little jabs on the internet. But the newest wave, the new frontier, I guess, is going to be dickhead cameo reviews. And if it's going to be like that, oh, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I want everybody to go to Cameo right now and leave Kevin Bad review because I love if, if, you know how, what? Much how about getting like, under his skin. Listen, like Jackie said, let's do it. Everybody go book me on Cameo. You got to book me first. K- KFC Barstool, I'll make you a video and you can leave me all the fucking bad comments you want. Let's see if you can break me. Let's see if people can break me because I'm on the verge of a fucking meltdown. I mean, you are broken right now. I, I'm not broken yet. <laughs> no, I'm not broken. I'm totally fine. I'm not broken yet. Mm-hmm. Your sound wave right now is a brick. The these there was one other because there was another guy. Oh, there was this bitch. The fact that it was coming from a woman too. This this this, this uh, it was like a wife and a mom was like uh, you know he really loves one minute man. So I like gave him like a full like rundown of my house. I was like, oh look, here's the corner that I do it in, and here's. Uh, like, here's, like, oh, look, these are the things, you know, you always see, like, little bits and pieces of this stuff on the wall. Here's, like, the full picture of what's on the wall. But at one point, I put it in the, the, the ring light, and it doesn't, the camera stays vertical. It doesn't, it doesn't go horizontal. And she was, like, at one point, he couldn't even be bothered to turn. I even said, I was, like, yo, it's going to be horizontal here, but this is how I do. I set it up like this. I gave the guy, like, a full behind-the-scenes tour, and this bitch was complaining about it. And I was, like, I'm going to hunt you down. And I'm going to fucking turn the car on in the garage and poison your whole family to death. I can't. I can take every other sort of or any sort of shit that's been thrown my way. But apparently the cameo comments is going to fucking do me in. Apparently. I don't know what it is. I guess it's because I hate. Do you think you're just bad at cameo? No, that's the thing is that I like I've talked business on there too. Like a few of us at Barstool are on it. And I do like I it's a very weird cameo is the ultimate uh, awkwardness for me where it's like people pay money for it and that makes no sense to me but I do like and need money so I'm like let's do it but I'm like I can't believe people are like that interested in a video for me it's very flattering but it's also very like makes me feel awkward so I really do go like I go all in for it well as much as you can with like a little blurb of information so uh, I make sure that like I do it serious and I like get into it so then when someone's just like totally missed like, well, uh, your family's totally going to miss you when I murder you. <laughs> Fucking cameo haters. Just the worst people alive. The only thing worse than that are the people who just decided to run with the fact that Aaron from The Office was in the KKK. Dangerous times, folks. 
Dangerous times. One single tweet that just said, Ellie Kemper from The Office has been outed as a KKK princess. No link, no proof, no pictures, no evidence. Just somebody decided that she was in the KKK. Boom, everybody believed it. If you don't know the story, Ellie Kemper, she's Erin from The Office. She, uh, she once was, she was crowned queen of this ball that they hold every year in, in St. Louis, which way back in the day used to be uh, a, a, uh, a pretty probably racially charged celebration. It was, uh, it, it was basically all white people. It said it celebrated the existing power structure, which was all uh, obviously white people. Um, so it definitely used to be problematic and you know they didn't integrate with any black people until 1979 eventually in the 90s they changed their name because they were like we got to disassociate from all the bad shit that used to go on so a lot of people said that this had ties to the kkk and maybe if not specifically the kkk it had some like deep racist roots which is all probably true some shit that goes on in the south is gonna be racist for sure and yes we decided this on case radio missouri st louis it's the south maybe it's not geographically it's the fucking South. When we're talking about racist stuff, you're in the South. Uh, but Erin from The Office won queen of this ball, and it was just like, bam, you're racist. Meanwhile, she had, or you're even worse, you're in the KKK. Meanwhile, as an actress, like, she had posted all about Black Lives Matter, and I think she's been, like, donating to the cause, and she's, like, a totally normal, like, sweet, nice person. Like, I'm sure that, that institution probably still has some old white people involved who are from the old generation or it was passed down the traditions and they're probably still racist. But the fact that this girl, like when she was 19 years old, you know, won some, she was crowned some queen and bam, in the year 2021, you've got a huge chunk of social media saying that you're in the fucking KKK. Yikes. And she, I don't know. She, I don't know how you play it. She said nothing. Uh, I think she just didn't want to like, you know, give any credence to the rumors. I also think saying nothing is a bit precarious though. Like, in my mind, I probably would have come out and been like, are you, are you guys fucking crazy? No, I'm not in the goddamn Ku Klux Klan. But she stayed quiet about it. I guess it's relatively blown over, so maybe her PR team was right on this one. But that, to me, like, is, you know, that's right up there with, like, false allegations and accusations. And, uh, you know, that's the next level of cancel culture stuff where it's like, we are just making things up. Usually, at least, there's some truth to it, and people are overreacting. Or they're taking it to mean, you know, something far more than it is. But at least there's some substance to the issue at hand. This is, like, completely fucking made up. And there are people out there being like, yeah, 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 she's in the KKK. Which I think is the most, the lowest, like, most despicable thing you could say about a person. It's like, you know, saying that they're, like, a child rapist and saying that they're in the KKK. Are, like, the two worst fucking things. You know, like, saying that someone's a pedophile, maybe even. I mean, who would do that, Nick? Who would ever write a blog, perhaps... Saying that someone is a pedophile, anybody who does that is an absolute asshole, even if they were joking. Even if it was just a story about a guy in Jersey City who lost a lottery ticket and was still trying to claim his, his jackpot despite not having the winning ticket, who happened to have a weird haircut and some strange glasses, and perhaps there was a local New York blogger who jokingly put in the title that he was a pedophile, and and then even in the bottom... Se- Man, that was the worst, that whole fucking thing. <laughs> I was, I was actually re- recalling that story the other day. For the people who don't know, I was just recapping the story. It was a story. This guy lost his ticket. It was in the news, so I was writing a blog about it, and my headline said, Jersey City pedophile loses his lottery ticket. And then the very first sentence of the blog said, well, he's not really a pedophile, but take one look at him. He looks like it. 
He legitimately looked like the guy who was a pedophile in uh, The Family Guy. Uh, so the funniest bit of that whole thing was the commenters were like, have fun getting sued for defamation, dude. Like, this is like textbook <laughs> case, right? And I went in the comments and I replied to them. This is like 2009. I said, shut up, pussy. I said, stop, I said, stop being such pussies. <laughs> and lo and behold, this guy did sue us and he was 100% right. He sued us for $100 million. And the only reason we got off was because he sued the wrong entity. He sued like barstoolsports.com when you needed to sue Barstool Sports LLC or whatever it was. And he was trying to get cute with it. He waited until the last possible day before the statute of limitations expires. So he waited like 364 days, and then he filed it. But because he waited so long, he didn't have enough of a, of a grace period to like correct his mistake. So they were like, you've sued the wrong entity. This case is thrown out. Otherwise, he like 100% would have won. He 100% would have cleared out Barstool Sports and Dave Portnoy, and I would have brought down the whole empire. <laughs> would have been my greatest mush ever. Imagine that. I mean, I remember him being like, yeah, like, we'll, you know, we'll go to court. Like, we'll have to try to figure this out. But, like, he's 100% in the right and we're fucked. And I was like, I mean, I remember I felt so bad. I was, like, sweating every night being like, oh, my God, I can't believe I fucked this up. And the fact, but the fact that my comment was like, shut up, pussies. No one's going to sue us. And yeah. then you can't find the blog anymore. But oh, no, you, you can't. You can find the articles written about the blog, quoting the blog easily. <laughs> Yikes. Ooh. <laughs> Whatever, it's too late. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Yeah, that was my first lesson about uh, defamation, and that one stuck with me. You cannot make jokes about people being a pedophile. I'll tell you that much. It was very clearly, the problem was that the title. So if you search his name and shit, the title just came up. When you read the blog, it clearly says, like, that's obviously just a joke. He's not really a pedophile. But people don't see the blog. They just see the headline. And that was my first lesson. That was a very important lesson. Yeah. So... Uh, last topic here before we wrap up. Uh, shout out to Jay Cutler, who's going for half of Kristen Cavallari's um, company called Uncommon James. KCAV owns a jewelry company, and uh, they obviously those two got divorced. And Jay Cutler said he wants fifty percent. And I don't want to. I don't want to make shout out to Jay because obviously divorce is messy and there's kids involved. And I know from per- personal experience that that's really really shitty. Um, yo, what's up, brother? Can you give me two seconds of just wrapping up another podcast, and then I'm ready to rock. Perfect. Then we're good. No, no, no problem. That's Josh Potter. I'm about to hop on his show as soon as I'm done with this. Um, so Jay Cutler, I, you know, it's not. I don't want to like celebrate it at all, but like the fact that Jay Cutler is like have that company's mind, man. It's it's like you know, Jay Cutler made a boatload of money putting his brain on the line like every single week. And I'm sure a lot of that money all got mixed up into into her life and his life, and it's all one big pot. I'm sure a lot of his NFL earnings went a long way towards their lifestyle and her business endeavors. And maybe not. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass, and we'll find out that that KCAV completely like funded her own operation with her own money because she was a star in her own right even before Jay Cutler. But if you find out that uh, that like you know a lot of his money was was used uh, for uncommon James to to get off the ground and running, then, like, why would he not be entitled to it? And I just think there's some, there's just still some sort of, like, double standard where it's like, you know, uh, we see these high-profile divorces and Melinda Gates gets $70 billion and Mackenzie Bezos gets $80 billion. And, and then, but if it's the other way around and the guy's looking for half the money, I feel like people are like, well, wait a second. I don't know about that, man. Like, you know, he made a lot of cash that I'm sure she'd enjoy, and I think that, 
that kind of goes both ways. Uh, I, I personally, if it was me, I'd just be like, like when it came to my divorce, I was just like, uh, as much as I can be fair with the money, like I'll go to the limit, like take as much because whatever. I can always make more money. I just want to be on good terms. I hope the things are good with the kids. But, you know, if it's something like I made a bunch of money in my career, put my life on the line, and you started this company, and now, you know, I deserve a piece of that too. It just sounds, it seems totally fair to me, but there is something to be said when it's a guy going for the girls, financial assets the other way around. It, it, people, it makes people uncomfortable. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait, what's going on there? Like, ooh, isn't that weird? When in reality, it's like, fuck that. It should all be the same. If everything's going to be, you know, equal gender-wise, then uh, it should be split up, you know, split down the middle every which way. His stuff, her stuff, everybody's stuff. So Jay Cutler making waves uh, in the divorce world. And, I mean, divorce, brother, it's an ugly, ugly game where I learned the lesson of you can either win your divorce or you can be friendly. And you really can't do both. I mean, I remember with mine being like my first and foremost, my main goal was to try to be as amicable as possible to end this on as friendly terms as we can, like so that the kids will, you know, will have a good co-parenting situation. The kids will be happy. And that involved giving like conceding a lot of shit where I was like, well, if I put my foot down on this, I think we're going to fight. And if we fight, then it's bad for the long term. And so, like, you know, I'll just just take it. But if if, you know, if, but if I wanted to put my foot down, there's probably some things where I probably would have been entitled to more money or 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 I would have to give up less or whatever it may have been. But, you know, it would have been, it would have been contentious. It would have been, you know, a fight. So. I chose to, like, be more friendly, and my, my lawyers were kind of like, you're totally handcuffing us here. We're like, we're not going to be able to do anything about it. Uh, but it's either win and get the money or lose the money and hopefully be on better terms. And I think uh, if, you're, if you go in the middle, I think you're, you know, you, you get neither. You end up with no money, and you're still, you've still fought a little bit, so you're kind of, like, shitty and stuck in no man's land. So I think you got to make the decision of which way you want. So if I was Jay Cutler, I would have been like, I'm set, dude. I got all the money in the world. If I want to make more money, I probably can hop on TV, do appearances, whatever. But uh, something tells me there's a little bit more more motivation behind it with, with Uncommon James. So we shall see. But, man, that everybody's favorite couple turned into everyone's you know uh, most talked about divorce. And now curveball from Jay Cutler because at the end of the day, he just don't care. Uh, head over to the KFC Radio YouTube and subscribe to that channel. If you're already subscribed, we're going to end up actually merging the Kevin Clancy YouTube with the KFC Radio YouTube. So uh, we're going to put that all into one place. So if you want to watch more of episodes of this show, that'll be on KFC Radio as well, along with all of our other video products from One Minute Man to One Thing I Learned. So uh, you can subscribe to that. Make sure you, of course, subscribe on the YouTube channel. Rate, review, five stars. Be on the lookout for live shows coming uh, relatively soon. I think we're gonna actually going to get back on stage as soon as July and ramp up uh, and try to get back on a little bit of a mini tour for the live podcast for KFC Radio. A uh, ton of new merch is out, so go to the KFC Radio section of the Barstool Sports store and uh, keep watching One Minute Man. We'll see you guys next week for another episode, you mutts.